everybody. I'm here with another edition of the One Million by One Million podcast. One Million by One Million, as you know, is the first and only global virtual accelerator in the world. We run it out of Silicon Valley, but with a global footprint. And today, I'm here with Shalini Prakash from 500 Startups India. Shalini, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to talk to you and everyone today. So Shalini, let's uh, start by uh, doing a bit of a context setting on 500 startups activities in India of late, and, and where are you positioning your uh, investment thesis today? Sure. Um, so just to set a little bit of context on 500 in general, um, we are a value-based fund investing in early-stage tech companies across the globe. We have about 2,000 companies uh, in our portfolio across 60 countries about 15 uh, active microfunds investing in different companies. So in India, we are about 60 companies strong. Uh, we've been investing in India since 2012, 2013. Um, and uh, we came in really, really, you know, not too many investors are looking at India to say. So, um, so Shalini, that, uh, the line is breaking up. This is uh, from a podcast quality point of view. I'm going to stop the recording just a second. Um, I, is this okay now? Hello, everybody. Welcome to today's edition of the One Million by One Million podcast. I'm here today with Shalini Prakash from 500 Startups India. Shalini, welcome to the show. Thank you, Shamana. It's good to be here today. Shalini, let's start by uh, giving us uh, giving our audience a bit of an orientation of what's happening at 500 Startups India. How are you positioning the activities of the organization? Sure. So I'll just set a little bit of context uh, about uh, 500 Startups. Um, we are a value-based fund investing in early-stage tech companies across the globe. We have about over uh, 2,000 portfolio companies across 60 countries, um, and several micro funds focused on different uh, geographies. So in India, we've been active since 2012, 2013. We have about 60-plus companies here, um, and uh, we have been investing in the region's most uh, promising founders, working on all um, uh, technologies and sectors. We've been sec we are sector agnostic and technology agnostic, so we pretty much look at everything. Um, yeah, so that's, that's a little bit about uh, our activities here. So um, a few uh, details about uh, what you like to invest in. Is it both B2B and B2C, or you have a preference for one or the other? Uh, no, as a, as a fund, we are sector agnostic and technology agnostic, right? So we pretty much look at everything. We've invested in companies right from something to do with drones to biotech to, um, you know, marketplace and uh, SaaS companies. So it's pretty much everything. So we, we, we look at something which is totally te technology-led, and uh, we invest in those areas. Okay. And um, the other question is about stage. So what is comfortable? You know, now right now we have a very uh, segmented seed ecosystem with people, some people doing pre-seed, seed, post-seed, pre-series A, small series A, large series A. Where in that continuum do you like to play? So um, it's, 
it depends from company to company, um, and rather, uh, let me say, more sector to sector. It depends. Uh, but we have pretty much been a seed investor, so we like to come in very early, either the first check or the second check uh, is when we'd like to come in. Having said that, we've also done companies in India which are uh, Series A stage. Um, you know, if it's a space that you really like and if there are not too many companies uh, that we can find, and of course, we really love the founder, we have taken those bets as well um, at the Series A stage. But uh, but typically, it is the seed stage. We'd like to be the first, first, uh, first people to be writing the check. And what uh, size check do you like to write? So in India, we've been doing checks anywhere between uh, $50,000 to $250,000. Uh, it depends on the stage of the company uh, and how far along they have been with product and traction and all that. Yeah, but it's as uh, wide as $50,000 to $250,000. And, and you syndicate with other people as well then? Yes. Uh, uh, very, uh, uh, rarely we take the whole round ourselves. So most Especially in India, we've we've mostly done uh, co-investing either with um, angels or other institutional funds. Okay. Let's talk about some of the companies that you've invested in. Uh, you said about 60 companies since 2012-13. Um, what are some yeah. interesting success stories that have come out and what can we learn from those? So um, I think... Um, the investments in India have been very uh, interesting because the initial wave of companies that came out, uh, say like the Olas and the Flipkart, right? I mean, that's around 2009, uh, 2009-2010 uh, time, yeah. right? And yeah. most of these companies that we invested in after, right, say 2013-2014, have mostly been around, say, market uh, marketplaces. They're really focused on B2C offerings, right? Um mm-hmm. And, and uh, of course, we have uh, seen a few exits as well around 2015, 2016. We've seen about five or six exits uh, that happen. But off late, uh, the kind of investments that we are doing now is very different from the kind of investments that we made earlier, right? So the initial wave of companies were only catering to, say, the tier one cities of India, to the urban um, uh, market, right? Say from a Bangalore or a Delhi, and all these, uh, 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 you know, people. But now the kind of investment that we are looking at is really about, you know, what does really 80% of India, which is the non-urban market, really need today, right? And uh, it could be vernacular content, it could be to do with healthcare or education. So our mm-hmm. investment focus has really shifted from what it used to be, say, five years ago. And also, you know, there has been so much of development um, in India itself, right? I mean, right from, say, um, you know, Internet being so accessible with geo, every other person has a smartphone and Internet, and we already right. have about 450 million smartphone users and who have access to Internet today, right? And that number is only going to be bigger and bigger, right? So, so the since there is access uh, to services and information, so the shift for most of these early stage companies has mostly been towards a new uh, set of uh, mar- uh, mar- market, right? The next 200 or the next 300 million people right now. So the kind of investments that we are making is very, very different from what it used to be before. But you, does that mean that you don't uh, invest in the 
ma- you know, major metro-oriented or the higher-end consumer-oriented businesses anymore, or the global enterprise? No, we of course we do. We 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 do everything, right? Nothing has changed. I was. It, it's mostly to do with the kind of companies that are even there in the market today, right? I mean, most companies that we are seeing uh, today in the market are mostly focused towards the next 200 or 300 million people, right? Having said that, we've of course invested. Um, in the last 12 months or 15 months, companies which are totally focused on, um, you know, deep technologies. Uh, for example, there's this company called uh, Pandorum Technologies, which is focused on um, uh, tissue engineering, right, uh, and cellular regeneration and things like that, right? So, of course, we have been looking at um, companies like that as well, but... Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, in, like, say, 18 months ago, we did this company called Spotdraft, which is focused on legal tech. It's a SaaS product. Um, they're set out to build a global company, right? And most of these yeah. SaaS companies don't remain in India. They always look for U.S. as a market or Southeast Asia yeah. as a market now. And uh, so these are all global companies. So we, we look at everything, and we continue to do that. But if you look at... Um, in the last 15 months or 18 months, you know, you know, as a zero investor, you see wave of companies, right? There's a trend, and and then everybody in didn't find like 10 companies building something very similar, and then mm-hmm. three months later, you find a new wave. All right, so so the wave that we've been seeing last year has mostly been around vernacular, right? Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. they vernacular commerce, and then there was vernacular content, and um, and then you know the end of la- uh, last year was mostly around vernacular so, you know, uh, social commerce, right? Uh, which is really focused on vernacular content again, right? The whole of last year was different areas around that. Um, uh, but yeah, you know we well and fintech is big in India right now. Sorry, say that again. FinTech is very big in India right now. Of course, of course. So, you know, I think um, uh, FinTech FinTech's been really big for the last two, three years, especially after demonetization, right, which, uh, yeah. which came about in uh, uh, 2016, right? So yeah. it, is, it is only getting bigger and bigger payments. Um, and uh, and it's, it's, it's interesting because the shift is, again, not with urban market, right? They're looking at the next 200 or 300 million people and thanks to internet penetration across different markets in India, um, I think the the number has been growing astronomically, um, you, know, you know, bigger and bigger, right? So you're right. I mean, fintech for sure, it's been around for really long and it's really taken off really well post uh, demonetization. Um, and now we are also seeing this new wave around CPGs, right? Consumer packaged goods, a lot of yes. branded and brands. Uh, yeah. I think the brands are very interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the observation I have is, uh, you know, how Africa really leapfrogged with mobile and, and went to mobile banking and mobile payments very successfully, Kenya and, and all our, our you know, heavy duty fintech users. Um, with Geo and this massive, uh, you know, next 200 million penetration that that could happen in India because there's there is a very uh, you know flimsy penetration of financial services in that segment and and there it could be a massive wave and and massive development uh, including credit infusion into that market so that's a that's a very interesting opportunity but on the other extreme I'm also very interested in the in what's happening in the high-end brand development, you know. Uh, there are new Indian brands developing a lot right now. This is a trend we are seeing as well, and we have it in our portfolios also. Um, 
I think there will be some very interesting brands, including some higher-end brands that are going to be catering to the mature Indian consumer that has been connected for over a decade and, and is a sophisticated uh, online consumer, don't you think? Yeah, I I agree. And um, and I think over a period of time, all some of these consumer brands may look at how to uh, do you know, direct to consumer, right? Try D two C model and see if that's going to work for India. But uh, you're right. I mean, right from food to clothing to shoes to cheese to you know, I've seen all kinds of companies come out in the last two years, and I also know there are funds which are focused only towards CPG, yes. the consumer packaged um, mm-hmm. uh, items, right? So yes, yep. I think uh, the you know, with the uh, growing middle class and the aspirations. Uh, of the middle class in Apau, I think there is more and more room for these products to come. And I see a big shift also with cosmetics, right? I mean, there are so many Indian companies um, uh, coming out with uh, localized products around, say, Ayurveda. And, you know, it's very yeah. interesting how they're using, uh, you know, Indianizing a lot of these products. And, and you know, they're very competitively priced. And to any uh, Western product in, say, 15, 20 years ago, you know, it was like a thing to buy. Uh, a foreign product or like an American uh, or yep. a French uh, cosmetic brand. Now, you know, it's not it's not like that anymore. Nobody thinks that way. Everybody is happy to pay uh, for a good uh, product. It doesn't matter if it's Indian or, you know, no one's allured as much as they used to be, right? Which is, which is very right. good. Uh, for, very good, uh, yeah. Uh, very good. And, and I think there, yeah. there is, um, people are learning to market better also. I think the packaging in India used to be really shabby. And uh, I think people understand that if you're trying to position a sophisticated product, it needs to have sophisticated packaging. So, I, and, and frankly, India has such a great tradition of craftsmanship, right? Artisans and craftsmanship. There's no reason why you can't do phenomenally beautiful packaging to, to market some of these products. So the, the opportunity is actually really fantastic on that side. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I totally agree. And I think also, you know, with more and more exposure for everyone in the last 15, 20 years, right? And um, I guess, you know, finally we've all learned the art of marketing. Yeah. And uh, what about exits? You said you've already uh, had a few exits. What, how are you, uh, can you talk about the exits that you've had and also exits in general? What, what is your impression and what is your analysis of the exits in India? Um, we we had some um, um, exits uh, uh, around 2014, 2015. The companies like um, uh, you know we had Kukumba Town, and then we had Mygola, we had Zidal. These are companies that were acquired. Like for example, um, uh, Zidal got acquired by Twitter, and uh, Little Eye Labs got acquired by Facebook. And so we've we've done um, we've done pretty well uh, there. We've got some really early exits. Since then, and then of course, you know, we were, India uh, and the startup ecosystem itself went through, you know, changes right around 2015, 2016. There was um, not so much money in the market, and uh, valuations were questioned, and and I think there's been a little bit of correction around that, right? Um, that correction was very uh, necessary. India went a bit bonkers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I think it came at the right time, um, and um, and even generally, I think um, the uh, M&A activity within the ecosystem itself, right, I think has uh, risen. So which is which is really good, I think, because 
for most investors, right, especially for non-Indian investors who are investing in India, the question was always about where the exit is happening, right? Yeah. And especially if you're a, a foreign investor, you know, it's a question of, oh, should I invest in, be investing in China or in Southeast Asia or in Indonesia or in India, right? So it's always about justifying why why India, where are the exits, and, you know, you talk about IPOs and large acquisitions, and fortunately, so, you know, Flipkart uh, exit was a big story and a big win for us, but we need more and more of those to come out to sort of build the trust for any foreign investor. Because we have these debates in internally with 500, right? I mean, everybody believes in India and how strong um, this ecosystem is going to be, and it's a very important market uh, for uh, 500. And we occasionally have these debates about, you know, how is this going to happen? Where is it going to come from? And mm-hmm. so, but yeah, I think we, we will we will you know like I said you know Flipkart was a good win uh, for so, you know to show the um, you know foreign investors that you know there is there is some money that we can make here. Well, you know, I actually uh, on the topic of exits, I'm equally excited as I am about Flipkart, which I think is an outlier. Um, I'm more excited about the smaller exits, like, you know, Nutanix bought a company called Ninjar. Um, mm-hmm. You know, this is, Nutanix is representative of the kind of, you know, global technology company that we have a lot of in the, uh, in, in, in the U.S. in particular uh, off right now. There are lots of SaaS companies, lots of these, you know, mid-sized tech companies. There is Viva, there is, Workday, there is ServiceNow, and these are mid-sized, but they're also quite large. And then there's some a whole lot of them that are smaller, the Box, Dropbox, uh, and so on and so forth. So there's like a couple of hundred of these companies. I think there's a phenomenal opportunity for these companies to acquire smaller companies like this Minjar and, and so on and so forth. Uh, Qualys acquired one of our companies, Adia. There's, I think there's a lot of small companies out there. There are like thousands of small companies out there, and some of them finding smaller exits is actually make the market more robust. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, when we invest in these companies, right, we are always um, investing the hope that, oh, you know, it's going to give you 100x or, you know, whatever, right, or it is going to be your Facebook or Uber in your portfolio, right? And But I know we all know that the reality, reality is, not, uh, is not that, right? So although the intent is for each of these to be a success uh, in its own, right, I think if you're even doing a 10 million or 15 million exit for a 50 thousand dollar check that you have written into the company it's a right? great outcome yeah. yeah that's a great that's outcome a point, and right? and and the thing that is important to keep and keep track of is that there is one facebook there is one twitter right there's one google but there are 200 SaaS companies or you know there's global technology companies so you you know, in the history of a company in one year how many exits do they make they don't make that many exits right so, so you need more companies out there making, you know, steady, uh, continuous exits, uh, continuous acquisitions, so that there is a much bigger flow going. So that's, I think, what we should, we need to be driving towards. And if we can, in the next, let's say, two to five years, if all these companies start acquiring uh, companies out of India, I think that that liquidity in the market is going to start to flow really well. Yeah, yeah, I 
I um, uh, totally agree. And if you also look at the, uh, you know, let's say about five years ago, right, I think uh, there were only about 35, 35 or 40 non-U.S. unicorns that came out, right? And today it's about 260, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and uh, I think that's, that's, that's a really good number. And we don't, that's, I mean, five years if we've all made that leapfrog, you don't know, yes. we probably have 500 unicorns just come out of um, uh, non-U.S. market itself, right? So which yeah, is, I think the non-U.S. market is developing very well. And, and frankly, the non-U.S. market as well as the outside of Silicon Valley or outside of the major hubs, uh, Silicon Valley, Boston, New York hubs, um, markets within the U.S. is also developing very well. We have great pockets now in Utah. Utah has produced several unicorns. So, I mean, this kind of development, more dispersed, distributed development is happening very solidly, and that's a great trend. And I think in 10 years that is going to really, you know, become the, the norm, and that, that will be a massive, massive improvement. Well, yeah. Shalini, it's been a pleasure. I think... Uh, it's great to catch up. I will uh, send you a couple of companies actually right away as soon as we finish this conversation, and then we'll see what else we can uh, work on together. Great. It was uh, lovely chatting with you today. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Audience, thank you for listening today, and we will be back soon with another edition of the One Million by One Million podcast. In the meantime, if you want to work on your project, Come to one of the free public roundtables. Go to the 1mby1m.com website. You will see the schedule. Register to pitch or attend, and we will work on your venture. It's a safe working session. You can uh, bring whatever it is that you're getting stuck on, and we will work with you on that. See you soon.